everyone. My name is Josh Scroggins. I pastor New Beginnings Family. Just wanted to say thank you for joining our podcast and welcome. We hope the following message will be encouraging, will inspire you to grow deeper in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you'd like to know more about us or would like to support our ministry financially, you can visit our website at www.nbfamily.net. And as always, for all you do to support us, thank you. God bless you and enjoy the message. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for joining me today. We are continuing our series called The Battle, and uh, in this episode, it is called Transgressed. We're going to talk about uh, well, we're going to talk about something a little different. Um, our our theme verse, as uh, as usual for this series, is Ephesians six twelve. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, against the but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. We, uh, we're in this series called The Battle, focused on spiritual warfare, using the story of the Israelites' journey from slavery in Egypt to the promised land. We have talked about how God can use the tools of the enemy to deliver you. We've talked about dealing with old mindsets and the problems of trying to combine your old life and your new life. We talked about remembering that God is the same uh, today as he was when he did miracles yesterday. And finally, we looked at focusing our words and our thoughts in the direction um, of faith and putting feet to our faith. In this episode, I'm going to be dealing with a question I'm sure many of you have actually thought about, have actually wondered over the last several weeks of this series. Uh, this question, or rather answers to this question, that so many struggle with, wrestle with, they can even um, be completely derailed by. What happens when I lose a battle? That is the question we're going to deal with in this episode. What happens when I lose a battle? We're talking all about spiritual warfare, but what happens when I lose a battle? Joshua 7, 2-5 says, Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Beth-Avon, on the east side of Bethel, and he spoke to them, saying, Go up and spy out the country. So the men went and spied out Ai, and they returned to Joshua and said, Do not let the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and attack Ai. Don't worry, uh, don't weary all the people there, for the people of Ai are few. So about 3,000 men went up from the people, but they fled before the men of Ai. The men of Ai struck down about 36 men. They chased them from before the gate as far as uh, Shebarim, or Shebarim. They struck them down on the descent, and therefore the hearts of the people melted and became like water. You know, it's all fine and well to talk about how God wants us to have victory over our enemy. He does. Fine to talk about how God is going to deliver you from your bondage. He will. It's exciting to talk about how God wants to bless you. He does. You know, we, we shout when we hear about the times that God's changed the lives of others because it reminds us that God can change our lives too. He can. Still, what happens when you're going through life believing God to help you win every battle and then you lose one or two? or three, what then? How do you deal with that? How does your faith handle it when you lose a battle? What happens when you fall into an old pattern and sin? What happens when you fall short? 
What happens when that person that you were praying for, that you thought was coming around, turns and walks away again? A couple of uh, episodes back, we talked about this incredible battle that happened at Jericho. How God gave them victory. Well, today, we're going to continue that story as we deal with the question, what do I do when I lose a battle? I guess I shouldn't say a couple episodes back. It was a couple of weeks back. Um, I don't think we had an episode last week. So this is for you. This is just the next one. Let's take a look here at Joshua 7, 1. It says, But the people of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed things. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed things. So the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. When you start this chapter of Joshua, Joshua chapter 7, you might think you're reading a completely different story than the one we left off in the last episode of Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6 ended with victory over Jericho and these words, So the Lord was with Joshua and his fame spread throughout all the country. And then the very next verse is the beginning of chapter 7 that says, But the children of Israel... When you start, by the way, when you start... uh, We start a sentence with, but after having something really great, like, so the Lord was with Joshua and his fame spread throughout all the country. And then the next word is, but that's not a good sign, but the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the cursed things. Achan, he is as he took these accursed things. So the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. Joshua chapter six ended wonderful. Joshua chapter seven begins terribly. Well, what happened? Let's talk about it. Uh, before we before we get into that, though, I want to uh, I want to just share what happened after this, right? After the the loss to AI to these men of AI, we're gonna we're gonna jump ahead a few verses uh, to verse six. We're gonna read through verse eleven. It says Joshua tore his clothes. He fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening. He and the elders of Israel. And they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, by the way, this is a, this is a sign of mourning. This is, this is deep anguish that they are in. Joshua said, Alas, Lord, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Oh, that we had been content and dwelled on the other side of the Jordan. Now look out, this is dangerous, right? This is, this is the same kind of stuff that ended up getting them uh, stuck in the wilderness for 40 years. Joshua says, O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns its backs before its enemies for the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear it. They'll surround us and cut our name off from the earth. And then what will you do for your great name? It's a very arrogant thing for Joshua to say here, by the way. There's still God. Look, we we just lost this battle. Everyone's going to hear about it. They're going to surround us and kill us. And then then God, you're stuck because we're all you've got. That's essentially what he's saying. Uh, it's a pretty amazing thing to say here. It is what he says. God's answer to Joshua, pretty amazing. He, he shows a lot of grace here. He shows a lot of mercy here. I, I know there have been times where I was very emotional and the prayers that I said were, were emotional. They were not good. They were ones that I felt very bad about saying afterward. I think, man, I, I, I'm, I'm glad that uh, God showed a lot of mercy and grace to me at that moment because uh, boy, if he had if he had given me what I deserved, I'd be in trouble for the way that I spoke to God during those prayers. 
because I was so emotionally distraught and I said things that that I regretted later. And I think that's where Joshua here was. And, and, and God shows mercy to Joshua, but he also gives him some tough love. Here, here's what God says. The Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why do you lie on your face? Israel has sinned. They have transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken some of the accursed things they've both stolen and deceived. They've also put it among their own stuff. God says, Joshua, why, why are you coming to me with this drama? Why are you coming to me all ticked off and, and blaming me for things and talking about going back? Do you, do you not even realize that, that Israel sinned? They took the accursed things. There were things in Jericho that I, I doomed to destruction. And Israel carried it and put it right back in the camp with them. They carried that curse right into their tents. They have committed a sin. That's the problem. Now, looking back at the first verse of Joshua, it said that Israel committed a trespass. We're going to get to that in just a second. Uh, typically, there are three Hebrew words that are used to refer to offenses against God. There, there's a few more, but there's three that are kind of the most common. The first one is the word for sin. It, it's uh, kata, kata. And what it means is to miss the mark. Right? It's an archery term. It means to fall short of, of God's standard. It's something that we all do. Right, The Bible says we have all fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned. All have fallen short. Uh, it, it's something that we all do. God has a standard. That standard is perfection. None of us can meet it. None of us, uh, none of us meet that standard regularly. We all, we all fall. The second word that is used to refer to an offense against God is the word iniquity. And in Hebrew, that word is avon. That's actually spelled like avon, right? A-V-O-N. I heard one guy say, because uh, this is a word for iniquity in Hebrew, right? He said, yeah, it's spelled just like the makeup, right? A-V-O-N. He said, so any any, uh, any ladies who have uh, who have avon makeup, you're just smearing iniquity all over your face. Hope you enjoy it. <laughs> what, what that word actually means is it means bent or twisted. And, um, and that describes the sin nature that we have. Iniquity is is bent or twisted. It's this natural propensity, this natural bent that we have towards sin. Um, the the other the third word here, and it's again, these are just the most common Hebrew words. There are there are others, but these are the most common ones, is the word that we translate as transgression. And that word is pesha. And it describes willful rebellion. In other words, God draws a line and we intentionally step over it. It's a little bit different than sin, right? Sin, kata, uh, is describing not meeting the perfect standard that God has set. Iniquity is our natural propensity toward sin. And transgression is a willful rebellion. God draws a line, we intentionally step over it. Uh, now, which of these words is used in Joshua 7, 1, when it says that Israel committed a trespass? Well, the answer is none of them. Uh, it, Joshua 7, 1 actually uses a different word. And that word is actually the same word that is used in Numbers five twelve, when it's describing a wife being unfaithful to her husband. Uh, but it could just as easily be used the other way around if a husband is unfaithful to his wife. Uh, that word is ma'al. And it, it means treachery, 
It means falsehood. It means unfaithfulness. It refers to taking something that belongs to someone else, like your body belongs to your spouse, right? If you're married, then your body is not just your body. It belongs to your spouse. This word refers to taking something that belongs to someone else, right? To taking it and, and then hiding that you did it. So, so an unfaithful spouse takes their body and, and gives it to someone else. They're, they're stealing essentially from their spouse and then they're hiding that they did it, right? Because notice that the word also means falsehood. It doesn't just mean treachery. It doesn't just mean unfaithfulness. It also means falsehood, right? So this is, this is talking about something done in secret as well. So the question is then in, in terms of Joshua 7, 1, when it says that Israel did this, what was taken that belonged to someone else? What was the unfaithfulness? Um, what was what was it that was hidden? Well, let's take a look real quick here first at, at Joshua 6. And we're going to go back right before the, the people took Jericho. Because Joshua gave some instructions to the people. Here's what he says. The city shall be doomed by the Lord to destruction, it and all who are in it. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all who are in her house because she hid the messengers that we sent. So this is the one exception to the rule. Everything else, everyone else is doomed by the Lord to destruction. And then Joshua says this, and you by all means abstain from the accursed things, lest you become accursed when you take of the accursed things and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. That that trouble, that's we're going to come back to that. He says that by by doing this you will trouble Israel because you will become accursed and then you'll make the entire camp of Israel cursed. And then he says, but all the silver, the gold, the vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. In other words, anything that's gold, silver, bronze, iron, any of the metals, that kind of thing that are our precious metals, uh, God is not going to destroy those. Uh, those are to come into the treasury. It all goes back to God. That is, that is for the temple. That is for the treasury. That's what that's for. Uh, don't steal any of it. Don't take any of it. It does not belong to you. It belongs to God. It is. This is an offering. This is a tithe. Um, Jericho was to be given completely to the Lord. And in fact, it was destroyed. It was burned. And, and we see that in archaeological records. Joshua warned the people if they took anything from the city, they would be cursed. And not only that, Joshua warned them that all of Israel would be accursed because of it. So what happened? Well, there was a man named Achan. Now, Achan, this is interesting because his name means trouble or troubler, right? So here comes trouble. And, and Joshua says, look, if you take this stuff, you're going you're gonna to trouble Israel. And what does he do? He takes the accursed things. Now, there's two things, right? There, there is accursed things. Those, those were the things in the city that were not um, consecrated, right? So silver, gold, bronze, iron, those were consecrated to the Lord, so they belonged to him. Everything else was doomed to destruction. It was accursed. And so Joshua tells them to, to stay away from these things. A man named Achan takes a garment, that's one of the accursed things, and he takes some silver and some gold from the city. That is the consecrated things that were from the God. So he steals from God and he also carries with him something that has a curse on it. And this curse is, it is a curse for destruction, a garment. What's a garment? It's something that you wear, right? It's something that you put around yourself. It's, it's something you wear. 
And so Achan literally is wearing a curse of doom on him. He takes it back to his tent and he buries it under his tent. He hides it. This is something that, that what he did now is he takes this curse and he takes it with him. This thing is cursed for destruction and now he hides it in the middle of his tent. Not only did he curse himself, but his tent was in the camp of Israel. And so Israel also received the curse. Because of this decision, 36 men were killed. Because of his decision, 36 families were in mourning. Because of his decision, 36 wives became widows. Because of his decision, 36 sets of children lost their fathers. Because of his decision, all of Israel was now in turmoil and under a curse. So what do you do when you lose a battle? Number one, root out the cause. I'm going to give you five points here. All of them are going to start with the letter R. Make it a little easier to remember. Number one, root out the cause. God told Joshua that Israel had sinned. And then he helped Joshua find out who did it. See, when you lose a battle, there's a reason. There is a root cause. That's important to understand. There is a root cause. You don't just lose battles for no reason. If you lose a battle, and again, we're talking about spiritual warfare here. If you lose a battle, there's a reason. There is a cause. What is the cause? Well, sometimes it's really simple. Sometimes the, the cause of a lost battle is very, very simple. Right? Maybe, maybe you haven't been getting rest and you were just way too tired. That actually can be the cause. I have lost many a battle because I did not get rest and I was tired and I was grumpy or I wasn't thinking straight or I was overly emotional because I was exhausted. I have lost battles many times simply because I was tired and I did not get the rest that I needed to get. Maybe your kids pushed you to your limit and then you made a bad decision. Maybe your job has been too stressful and you've been doing a poor job managing it, right? Maybe you've been burning the candle at both ends. Maybe, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe the issue is that you find yourself drawn to drama. You just see, hey, there's drama over there. I'm going to jump right in the middle of it. And then you want to complain that, that you're, you're, stuck in drama. Well, maybe it's a simple solution. Maybe the root cause is this need to have your nose in everyone else's business. And the best thing you can do is just mind your own, right? Maybe, maybe it's as simple as that. Maybe, maybe that's the cause, but sometimes there is a much deeper root that you need to deal with. Sometimes the issue is much deeper than that. Right. Like like secret sin. And, and and in fact, many times the secret sin isn't even the deepest root. A lot of times the secret sin is a symptom. It's a symptom of something deeper. Uh, maybe it's addiction. Maybe maybe those two things are the same, but maybe maybe it's addiction. Maybe that's the root cause. Maybe you're losing all these spiritual battles because you're carrying with you a secret sin. And, and until you deal with it, until you deal with it, you will continue to lose battle after battle. Now, how do I know, Pastor, if it's, a, if it's a, a, a really deep root problem or if it's a real simple problem? Well, I'll give you one. 
how many how many battles are you losing? You know, you should be able to tell which one it is. If 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 you you lose a battle and then the next day you get a good night's sleep, uh, the next night you get a good night's sleep and then suddenly you're you're fine, then that's probably what it was. It's simple. If it was kind of a momentary thing because your kids were pushing you to your limit, you just couldn't handle it anymore, maybe it's simple like that. What you what can tell what you can tell um, or used to tell if it's a deeper issue is how often are you losing these battles? Are you losing battles again and again and again and again to the same thing? Are are you having seasons of lost battles, not just one offs every once in a while? Because those one offs do happen, right? You could you could make a bad decision. You can you can lose your temper. You could. Um, uh, give give the enemy room to come in and really disrupt something because of a, a poor decision or because of a, an emotional whatever. I mean, <clears throat> that's that's possible. But if you find yourself in a season of lost battles, if you find yourself constantly struggling to win anything, it could be because the root is deeper. Something like a, a secret sin that you're walking around with, about around with. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's also a, a deep-rooted insecurity. Maybe that's the issue. Maybe you are deeply insecure. And until you deal with that, and until you deal with self-worth issues, it's going to continue to lead you into a place that causes you to lose battle after battle after battle. Or how about this one? Psychological damage from past abuse or trauma. Maybe you have experienced trauma in your life and it causes deep-rooted, deep-seated problems. Well, those problems can absolutely lead to lost battle after lost battle after lost battle. Maybe maybe that is the deep root. So the first thing is, is the first step, if you're, if you're finding yourself losing battles, Begin by identifying what the cause is. Root it out until you know what it is. What is the deepest level? Don't just stop and say, okay, if there is an addiction, if there is a secret sin, if there is, deal with it for sure. If that's, if that's there, if those are there, they're problems. But don't stop at that level. Continue to dig until you find the root. Because here's what's interesting. You know, you know what roots need to survive? They need to be buried. Because when you take a root out of where it was buried and you expose it to the atmosphere, you expose it to the air and you leave it there, it dies. Roots require being buried. So when you pull them out, they have no more life in them. They have no more power. So first thing is root out the cause. Number two, repent of sin. Now, not every issue is sin. Not every lost battle that you deal with is sin. I know that that you may think that. I know that we oftentimes want to get super spiritual and just believe that anytime we see a lost battle, there must be sin involved. But the fact is simple. There is not always sin attached to lost battles, but oftentimes there is. And if there is sin in your life, you need to repent of it. I want to describe real quick what, what God did here with Joshua and Achan. Now, Achan knew at the very beginning that it was his sin that caused this problem. He knew that. Joshua told them that. Then Joshua tells the people, we're going to find out who did this. 
somebody stole from God. We're going to find out who it is. Now, Achan, keep in mind, he already knows who did it. God could have told Joshua, hey, Joshua, it was Achan. But that's not what he does. God says, bring all the people out by tribe, right? You got 12 tribes, bring all the tribes out. And I'm going to tell you which tribe it is. So he brings out all the tribes. And here comes Achan standing in the tribe saying, I, I hope they don't pick mine. And then they do. And Joshua says, okay, it is Achan's tribe, <laughs> right? He says, I, I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to pick a tribe here. And sure enough, there's Achan moving on down the line, right? It, it kind of reminds me, uh, it, it's interesting. So Achan's in the tribe of Judah. God chooses the tribe of Judah. But again, God could have just said, hey, Joshua, it's Achan. The way that God did it reminds me so much of these reality shows where, you know, they're, they're, the judges already know who won, but they say, we're going to take the top 100 and we're going to narrow it to the top 50 and then to the top 20 and then to the top 10 and then to the top five and then to the top three and then to the top two. And then we'll tell you who won after this commercial break. Right. It's almost like God did it that way. You know, he, he already knew who did it, but he does it this, this interesting way. He says, bring all the tribes out. And we're going to go ahead and, and I'm going to tell you which tribe. So he puts all the tribes out and then Joshua says, okay, uh, whoever did this, they're in the tribe of Judah. Now again, remember Achan knows he did it. It's in his tent. He might be the only one who knows it. I don't know if Mrs. Achan knew it. I don't know if the kids knew about it. I don't know, but Achan knew and he's out there and now they picked this tribe and he says, okay, now we're going to pick families. We're going to, we're going to choose families. And sure enough, we're going to pick from the family of Zerah, right? Or the family of Zabdi or the family of Carmi, whatever it was. Uh, we're going to pick families and they picked Achan's family. And he says, okay, now we're going to pick households because we're going to know which household did this. And now we're going to know who did it. And again, Achan knew it was him this whole time. And then they pick his household. It's Achan. Now, why would God do this instead of just taking Joshua straight to Achan? It would have saved a whole lot of time. Look, you can have whatever explanation you want. Your guess is as good as mine. But I believe God wanted to give Achan a chance to come clean and repent. That's what I think. I don't think it would have spared his life. In fact, I know it wouldn't because they had already determined the, uh, the, the punishment before this whole, this whole production. But when it comes to the eternity after that punishment, I think it would have made a big difference. God was giving Achan a chance to come clean. Achan didn't do it. Not until God had already told Joshua it was him. At that point, it was too late. <clears throat> Look, it's important that sin be repented of immediately because it affects more than just us. A husband or a wife who cheats on their spouse hurts the whole family. An employee who steals from a company affects every person who works there and even the customers who might incur higher prices to offset what was stolen. A child who rebels against their parents hurts the entire relationship. It doesn't just hurt them, it hurts the parents too. When you sin, it does not just affect you. Number three remove the source of conflict. Okay. So number one, you're rooting out the problem. You're identifying what the root is. Number two, you're repenting of sin. If, if it's there and number three, remove the source of conflict. So now you're not just identifying the root, you're getting rid of it. 
Achan had tainted his entire family by storing those items under the tent where they all lived. His entire family was tainted with the curse of destruction. Now, the items themselves, they weren't the source of the conflict. The betrayal was the source of the conflict, and Achan and his entire family were removed from Israel that day. And I mean the entire family. Everything that was touched to Achan, everything that was connected to Achan was removed. And I would tell you this, whatever is the source of conflict in your life, it must be dealt with and removed. Maybe it's a bad relationship. Maybe you're in a relationship right now. It's a friendship. It's a dating relationship. Maybe it's romantic. Maybe it's not. But you're in a relationship with somebody. You're connected with someone that has incredible influence on your life, and it is a bad influence on you. It is causing you to be pulled away from God. And by the way, I'm not telling you, if you're a Christian, I'm not telling you to not have non-Christian friends. You should have non-Christian friends. If every Christian was only communicating, was only connected to other Christians, nobody would ever hear the gospel. You should be connected to people who are not Christians. But if they are pulling you towards them instead of you pulling them towards Jesus, you need to be out of that relationship until you're strong enough to handle it. So maybe that's a source of, of conflict. Uh, maybe it's a sinful behavior, right? Maybe it is a behavior. Maybe it's a pattern of behavior that you are in, and that is the issue. That's the source of conflict. Uh, maybe it's the type of media that you're consuming, right? Maybe you're watching way too much news. Maybe you are on Facebook way too much. Maybe you are, uh, uh, maybe you're reading way too many, uh, way too many magazines or watching too many movies, or maybe it's the type of movies you're, you're watching. Maybe you're listening to music that is, is not good, but whatever it is, the type of media that you're consuming, maybe that's the problem. Are you dealing with fear all the time? Are you reading things that are constantly making you fearful? Are you consuming media? Uh, maybe are you reading more books or listening to uh, to music or watching movies or talking to people that, that constantly reinforce fear? Well, maybe that's a problem. Maybe maybe the, the source of conflict is a lie that you keep telling yourself over and over again, right? We all have these soundtracks in our lives. Uh, John Acuff wrote a book called Soundtracks. It's amazing. Um, and he talks about that, these soundtracks that we play to ourselves over and over and over again. And maybe, uh, maybe that's an issue that you have a lie that you keep telling yourself over and over and over again. I will never be blank. I am not blank. I wish I could be blank, but I can't. Uh, every man is like this. Every woman is like this. I will never succeed at this. I, whatever it is, it's a lie. You keep telling yourself over and over again. Sometimes counseling is the solution that you need for this. It is highly important sometimes. I, I have no problem with counseling. I believe in it. I think it is valuable. However, I also don't think that everyone should perpetually always be in counseling. Okay, I'm not for that either. There is wisdom in the counsel of others. The Bible tells us that. Sometimes you need counseling and that'll help you remove the source of conflict. Sometimes all you need is to just make a decision to remove it. You need to stop dragging your feet and do what you already know you need to do. And you just need to decide to do it and then do it. And you don't need a counselor. You just need to do it. But either way, it's not enough to just identify the problem. You've got to remove the source of it. See, to hide the items, Aiken actually had to dig under his tent. 
and to remove the items, they had to go dig them up. Ultimately, the source of problems for Israel was Achan and his refusal to confess, his refusal to make things right. It was betrayal. But not just the fact that he had stolen it. He had hidden it. He had lied about it. Remember, this, this word that was used in Joshua 7, 1, it doesn't just describe sin, falling short. It doesn't just describe um, a, uh, a, a, a transgression. It doesn't just describe uh, rebellion or anything like that. It describes unfaithfulness. It describes falsehood. Achan hid it. And so in order to remove the source of conflict from Israel, Achan and all that he had authority over were destroyed. Joshua 7, 24 to 25, it says, uh, Then Joshua and Israel with him, they took Achan, the son of Zerah, the silver, the garment, the wedge of gold, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent. This blows me away. This was not just taking Achan and his family down there to get rid of them. They took everything he owned. They took his, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep. They took his tent. They took his tent down there and burned it. They've got everything that he owns, everything that he is connected with. They brought him down to the Valley of Achor. Then Joshua says, why have you troubled us? It's amazing to ask a guy named Trouble why he troubled you. But he says this, the Lord will trouble you this day. So all Israel stoned him with stones, and then they burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. His entire family, every animal that he owned, was stoned with stones and then burned with fire. And here's the thing I want you to get from that. Removing the source of conflict often requires extreme action. But if you're losing battle after battle after battle, there's an extreme problem you're dealing with. So it requires an extreme solution. Sometimes you have to get drastic. You have to get extreme. You have to just say, okay, from now on, at least for a season, I'm not consuming this type of media at all. I am turning off the TV. I'm turning off the news. I'm getting off of Facebook. I'm no longer going to watch these kinds of movies. You might get so extreme and say, I'm not even going to turn on the TV. Uh, you might say, whatever it is, you, you may have to get extreme. You may have to say, you know what? I am no longer going to associate with this person. I, I am no longer going to put myself in a place where I even have a chance to sin. You might have to get extreme. But remove the source of conflict. Number four, restore the relationship with God. It's not enough to just remove the source of conflict. You must restore the relationship with God that was damaged. Imagine that if a person steals from you and it just destroys your life because of how much they took. Then that person comes back later and they give back the money that was stole, that they stole. Is your relationship now back to how it was before? Of course not. Of course not. This step in the process, it's not about removing something from your life. It's about adding to it. And it begins by making restitution with God and others. Joshua 7, 23 says this, they took them from the midst of the tent. These are the things that Achan took. They brought them to Joshua and to all the children of Israel. And then they laid them out before the Lord. They made restitution. These are things that belonged to God and they presented them back to God. They took what Achan stole. They laid them before the Lord. They didn't just remove the items. They presented them back to God. And here's the thing I want you to get. Restoration takes time. 
It takes investment. Here's something that's really important. If you, if you are dealing with, uh, particularly with a relationship where you have committed a sin against someone else, you have done something wrong and you are trying to restore the relationship. I need you to get this. It takes an attitude of humility. You have to be humble. It takes a shift in mindset and it takes a willingness to prioritize that person over all else in your life. In this case here, we're talking about God. To make restoration, to restore the relationship with God, we have to be willing to prioritize him over us. To take time and invest, to stay humble, to shift our mindset, to put him first. And then here's the last one, right? So, so let's go through these, these other four R's and then we'll do the last, the last one. Number one, root out the cause. So identify what it is. Number two, repent of sin if it's there. Number three, remove the source of conflict. Number four, restore the relationship with God. And then number five, and hear me on this one, return to battle. The very beginning of the next chapter, chapter eight, shows Joshua taking the entire army and capturing the city of Ai. Remember this uh, 3,000 men that went up there originally, they ran away from Ai. So Joshua says, I'm going to use this. It's a brilliant battle tactic. He sends 30,000 of his men by night to hide near the city. And then the next day, he marches on the city with the rest of his army. And when the soldiers of Ai come out to fight, Joshua pretends to retreat. Just as the men of Israel had done earlier. And when the soldiers of Ai pursue them, the Bible says there's not a single man left in the city because they're all chasing down Israel. They have left the city now following Joshua as he is pretending to retreat. Now the city's vacant. And the 30,000 soldiers that Joshua had, uh, had had hiding, now they run into the city that is now empty and they set it on fire. Suddenly the soldiers of Ai that are chasing Joshua turn around to see the city behind them on fire and an army of 30,000 soldiers heading their direction. Then Joshua turns and comes back in. And now the soldiers of Ai are being hit from both sides. They're slaughtered. It's, it's a brilliant battle tactic, but it was only possible because Joshua went back to the fight. He didn't lose one battle and then stop fighting. He returned to battle. What do you do when you lose a battle? You figure out what happened. You make it right. You restore the relationship with God, and then you get back in the fight. And this time, God tells them, keep the spoils of the city. Right? And they did. And they were blessed. And this is just as important as any of the other steps. It could be the most important of all these steps. Don't let one defeat cause you to quit. I want to reiterate, this series is about spiritual warfare. The key word here is war. Wars and battles are not the same thing. Wars are made up of many battles. You can lose many, many, many battles and still win the war. In fact, here's what I want you to get. Whoever wins the last battle is the one who wins the war. Think about that. You can win battle after, or you can lose battle after battle after battle after battle after battle, and then you win one battle. And the other person refuses to fight anymore. Now you just won the war. Whoever wins the last battle is the one who wins the war. That means that the war is not over until you refuse to fight another battle. Or until the enemy is finally defeated. That's it. As long as you continue to get back up, the war is not over. 
If you've lost battles, that's okay. It's not over yet. Root out the cause of the problem. Repent of sin if there is any. Remove the source of the problem, even if it takes drastic action to do so. Restore the relationship with God that may have been damaged and then return to battle. Don't quit. I want you to hear me clearly here. A lost battle is not a lost war. A moment in defeat is not a life defeated. A season of weakness is not a destiny of worthlessness. God is not done with you yet. Proverbs 24, 16 says, For a righteous person falls seven times and rises again. Seven times. That is a perfect number. That is a complete, that's a number of completion, right? God made the world in seven days. The, the term seven here, the number seven, it, it, it is a reference to completeness. In other words, a righteous person falls completely, falls all the time. A righteous person falls seven times. That's amazing to me. You think it would say a righteous person doesn't fall. That's not what we're told here. We're told that a righteous person falls all the time. It's not what makes them righteous. What makes them righteous is not that they don't fall. It's that they rise again. It's time to pick up your head and try again. It's time to admit where you failed, to ask God to forgive you, and then to get back into the fight. There are too many of us counting on you to fight alongside of us. Your wife needs you to get back up and fight. Your husband needs you to get back up and fight. Your kids need you to get back up and fight. Your brothers and your sisters in Christ, we need you to get back up and fight. Spiritual warfare is not just about offense and defense. It is also about endurance. The enemy's greatest trick is to get you to quit by pointing out your failures, your faults, your stumbles, your losses, and then convincing you that your life should be defined by those moments. I'm telling you, That your life will only be defined by those moments if you allow it to be. You can choose to get back up, to keep fighting. And if you do, God will be with you. God bless you. And we'll catch you in the next episode. Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us at New Beginnings Family. We appreciate you listening and hope that the message was encouraging, inspiring, challenging, that ultimately it brings you closer to Jesus Christ. If you have any questions for us or would like to get a hold of us, you can reach out to us at www.nbfamily.net. Thank you so much. We love you. Have an amazing day. And thank you for all your support. We'll see you next time.